0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: No matter what, he loves you. Now, is that a license for you to go out and sin? So you think, oh, man, I'm going to sit it up because Jesus loves me. I'm going to sit it up. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it is a comfort and it is a tremendous truth. Something else jumped off the page. Mary and Martha, note this, knew where to go when trouble came. They went to who saints? Jesus question. Where do you go when trouble comes? Do you go to your father? Your mother? Do you go to the bank? Do you turn to, you know, money mutual? Do you turn to a friend? Where do you go when trouble comes? Mary and Martha knew where to go. David knew where to go when trouble comes. Write it down, Psalm 91, 4. He will cover you with, with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. Write it down, Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help. Anybody know? In a time of trouble. The word refuge means, write it down, high tower. High tower. David says God is a high tower. In a time of trouble, you can run to him. Proverbs 18, memory verse, Proverbs 18, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are what? Anybody know? Say, very good. Isaiah 26, 20. Come, listen. Come, my people. Enter your chambers. Shut the doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. You know, I've heard people say, especially if you, if you hold the position of the rapture. I've heard people say that, you know, you Christians are escapist. You Christians are always trying to escape. Uh, no, we're not. Christians don't run to God to escape. We run to God to rejuvenate. We don't run to God to be pampered. We run to God to be prepared to deal with life. We don't run to God to be insulated from problems. We run to God to be strengthened so we could deal with the problems. So God doesn't only promise to hide us. I hope I'm helping you. God doesn't only promise to hide us, but he also promises to help us. You should be happy about that. He promises to help us. I think of Moses. When the people are crying and whining in the wilderness and Moses would run to Jesus or to God, not a committee, say amen, run to God. I think of Hezekiah. Don't you love that story? Hezekiah gets this threatening letter from the Rapshaka. Isn't that an intimidating name? Somebody tells you, hey, the Rapshaka wants to see you. You're like, oh, oh, You know you're scared when you lock up like a board. oh. The Rhapsekah wants to see you. Well, the Rabshaka sends Hezekiah a threatening letter. And Hezekiah loved this story he, in Kings. He turns his prayers and his cares into prayers. And he takes that letter, this threatening letter, and he puts it on the altar of God and says, God, here, this letter's for you. You deal with this. <laughs> Don't you love that? You go to the Lord. Mary and Martha, they send a messenger to Jesus. Notice they didn't describe the problem because they thought all they had to do was to tell Jesus his friend was sick and that was enough that he would come as quick as possible. Look at verse four. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Now be careful, saints. Jesus doesn't say he's not going to die. He says, it's not unto, anybody know? Death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Now, maybe the messenger came running back out of breath and said, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. And I'm confident that that put hope in their hearts. Jesus said, Lazarus is sick that God might get the glory. Y'all need to hear me. Lazarus is sick that God might get the glory. In other words, the miracle was intended to reveal the glory of God. So how does that happen? Well, three things. Let me give it to you. Number one, it brings glory to God because it points to the deity of Jesus. Only God can give life. Jesus has been claiming to be God, and now he gives life. Number two, it brings glory to God because it confirmed the faith of the disciples. Because after Lazarus rises from the dead, the disciples' faith took off. And it made them more effective witnesses, number three. And finally, it brings glory to God because it leads directly to the cross. The cross, listen to me, is the most glorifying event in the life of Jesus. Did y'all hear me? The cross is the most glorifying event. You mean his death is the most glorifying event in his life? Oh, yeah. Fast forward. John chapter 12, look at verse 23. John 12, 23, Jesus said the hour is coming that the Son of Man shall be what, saints? Glorified. There you go. You ain't turning quick enough. John 12, 23, the hour is coming, the Son of Man shall be glorified. When Jesus died and rose again, Jesus was glorified in a great way. Well, verse five tells us plainly that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Simple as that. Now listen, this statement might seem random, but it's not. It's very important that John says this because of what's coming next. Verse 6, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. Now, doesn't this go against everything that's in us? In our culture, when somebody is sick, that's cause for immediate action. Flashing red lights, running red lights, stop, uh, you know, sirens going, uh, get to the hospital. Why? Because human love would have hurried to Bethany with a pounding heart. Divine love isn't in a hurry at all. Think about it. What does an omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful God have to worry or hurry about? Think about it. Interesting. Jesus loves him so much, and yet he stayed two more days. And that's why verse five is important. So we can understand that God's delays are not necessarily God's denial. God's delay, did you hear me? God's delays are not his denial. God's delays have nothing to do with how much he loves us or not. I think too often we measure God's love in terms of time, don't we? Okay, God, you got 20 minutes to fulfill my needs. 20 minutes later, oh, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. God isn't listening to my prayer. God's prayer doesn't work. What's the use? Jesus knew his delay would make his love all the more real. He knew his delay would bring more glory to God. He knew his delay would make the miracle that much more joyous. He knew the delay would really increase and strengthen and solidify their faith. So the delay is important and the delay is based on love. Listen to me. If you've been asleep, wake up right here. Listen, never think that waiting and timing is a bad thing. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's a amount of wings of eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint." I honestly think waiting should be a spiritual gift. Patience should be a spiritual gift. It should be like in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, tongues, prophecy, waiting. It should really be a spiritual gift because waiting is a difficult thing to do, but a good thing to do. And rest assured, when God has you waiting, he is working something out for your good and his glory. Am I right about it? And how many times, think about waiting. How many times have you asked God for something and you really wanted it bad, only to find out it was better that you, later, it was better that you didn't get it? How many times? Or how about this? How about when you, you know, you, you 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 know you were younger and you wanted to marry this girl and she was fine? I mean, she was like, ooh, ooh, Lord, Lord. She is fine. And you wanted to marry her and you were like, God please, Lord, I'll do anything, anything, anything. Just let me marry this woman. And then you don't marry her, you're going about your separate ways, years later you're running to her at South Point. And you see yourself and you go, hey, hey, how you doing? Uh, wow, oh, oh, whoa, oh, well, you, you look, hey, how you doing? I mean, you look at it and then you walk away and you go, thank you, Jesus, I didn't marry that woman. Waiting. God knows what's best. Somebody once said like this, saints, help me out. Somebody once said like this, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. He is always on time. Well, during the delay, listen, during those two days, Lazarus died and that God was setting up this great miracle that was going, that he was going to perform. Well, let's pick up a little speed here in verse seven. Look at verse seven. Then after he said to his disciples, let us go up to Judea. The disciples in verse 8 said, Jesus, they hate you there. They want to stone you. And Jesus gives them this awesome illustration in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in a day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Verse 10. But if one walks in the light, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now listen. To the Jew, every day was arranged around 12 hours in a day. 12 hours in a night, 12 hours in the light. Jesus says, don't you realize that you can't turn the day off at 12? We're going to live the day out. The night is coming when no man can work. So God has appointed the time, and it's time right now to seize an opportunity. It's day. It's not time for night. Night will come. When will night come? When Jesus will be put on the cross and his earthly ministry will be over. Jesus is saying, it's not that time yet. Are you getting me? God has prescribed the bounds of my life. And you can't lengthen it and you can't shorten it. And the same is true for you and me. God has prescribed the bounds of your life. And until then, you're indestructible. God has an appointed time for every man, woman, boy, and girl to live on this earth. God knows that. And maybe you've had a miscarriage. God knew that. Maybe you had a child. I don't know. I, I didn't have a child who had them in one, two, three, had them in the world, and then they passed away. I don't know. I will tell you this. The moment that any person is conceived, it takes a breath into this world. The next breath they take, are y'all listening? The next breath they take, they are on their way to death. And God knows what date that is. And that might be one year, and that might be two years, that might be 30 years, that might be 60 years, that might be 90 years. We don't know. God knows. But God sets the boundaries of your life. And that's why you should live every day for the Lord, because you don't know what day you will meet the Lord. That's why the Bible says. And that's why the Bible says today is a day of salvation. If you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart, because you don't know. The day that you're going to meet the Lord. God is the one who sets the boundaries of your life. And until that day that God knows you're indestructible. So people say to me, oh, are you afraid to go to Israel? You know, we take trips to Israel. People go, oh, are you all the Middle East stuff? Are you afraid to go to Israel? I don't know. I'm not afraid to go to Philly. (laughs) Amen. I'm not afraid to go to Philly. Why would I be afraid to go to Israel? It's just a matter of CNN and propaganda. It's another sermon. God knows the day that Rodney's going to leave this earth. Rodney can leave this earth out on Center Street. Rodney can leave this earth. I could be in India, Indonesia, Israel, Africa. It doesn't matter. God knows the day in which you are going to leave. Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed unto man to die and then judgment. Nothing can happen to you until that day is over. Verse 11, please take note. Jesus says, our friend Lazarus. Note, not the guy who was Lazarus or the guy who was our friend, but is gone. Our friend, he's still our friend because I'm going to wake him up. Verse 12, y'all getting anything out of this? The disciple said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Disciples said, Jesus, why don't you just let him rest? Let him sleep it off. I love the disciples, don't you? They just don't get it. They really just don't get it. You go to Duke Chapel and they got, you know, or one of these, like, uh, you know, high church, and they got stained glass and disciples are they're in glass and colored glass and halos around their head and they just look like really holy people. I'm like, that ain't the Bible I read. These guys are clueless George. They don't get it. Jesus said he sleep. They said, well, then why don't you leave him alone and let him sleep at all? And Jesus clearly in verse 14 said, listen, I got to break it down for you. Lazarus is dead. Flatline. He's gone. He's over. You guys are thick. And just a quick note, look, just a quick note about death. There's nothing, saints, listen, there's nothing final about death. Death is an introduction to something greater for the Christian. The Christian death is sleep. Christians don't die. Did you hear me? I'm only talking to Christians right now. Christians don't die. They move. We change addresses. We change locations. We were living here. Now we're living there. The non-believer, they die. Christians don't die. I've said this before. If you're a Christian, you'll never die. Even when you die, the Bible says, doesn't even refer to you as dead. The Bible says you're sleeping. 1 Corinthians 4, 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those that have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Verse 15, Jesus says, I'm glad I was not there. Look at verse 15. Don't look at me. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, I'm glad I was not there that you might believe. Notice Jesus doesn't say, I'm glad Lazarus is dead. Jesus is saying, I'm glad because something great is coming out of this. Because when this miracle comes to pass, your faith is going to take a giant leap forward. And listen, Mary and Martha and the disciples, they don't know the end of the story. Keep in mind, they haven't read chapter 11. (laughs) Say amen. Say I knew that. Some of y'all didn't say it. They haven't read chapter 11. They don't realize... I'm coming in for a lamb. I'm going to go get your chicken sandwich. Give me a second. They don't realize that in just about a week, they're going to need to reach back on that faith as they will watch their Savior be hung on the cross. They need to know that Jesus has power over death. So this is important. Verse 16, Thomas, who is called the twin, scholars really don't know. Notice, look at verse 16. He says, let us also go that we might die with him. Now listen, scholars don't know the tone of that statement. He could have been sarcastic and saying, let's go die, die with him. We're never going to make it out of here alive anyway. Or this could have been a statement of devotion. Lord, we will die with you. When you head back to Jerusalem, we'll go with you. Thomas, not really understanding what's going on. We're not really sure how he said that. So the stage is set and everything is ready to go. And God Listen, I'm gonna let you go. It's always working. Far more than you can imagine. I have not seen nor ear has heard, neither has it even entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, you can't even conceive you can't comprehend, you wouldn't think of it, how much God loves you and the things that he has prepared for you because you love him. So God is always working and doing far more than we can imagine. And if God is omnipotent, and he is, and if God is omniscient, and he is, Then it was God who allowed Lazarus to die. Jesus, according to the scriptures, we just read it, intentionally stayed two extra days because God was orchestrating an incredible moment and needed time to set set the stage of their hearts to prepare them for later on in the chapter where he would say to Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? Are y'all getting this? God's setting it all up. He's just massaging it and setting things up so that he can speak that seventh and final I am statement. I am the resurrection and the life. God, and here's one last thing I want to tell you. And I want to tell you more, but I'm just going to stop right here. Listen, God always gives you more than you even ask for. Remember, I have not seen nor ears he heard. God always gives you more than you ask for. Because Mary and Martha, it's just little insights from here. That's all. No biggie. Mary and Martha asked for healing, yes? God gave them resurrection. God always gives more than they asked for. But the thing that you have to do is you have to set your mind on one thing. You know, in the world that we live in today, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, self. Phones, emails. I just found out the computer I just got, I could do text message from the computer. They call that iMessage. Right? Did y'all know about that? I just found that out. I said, ain't this something? I'm not that sharp either. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, you know, there's just so much going on and so much coming at us. And the TV screens are getting bigger. Aren't they? It's like TV screens are like 82-inch. You know, oh, you can get 82-inch for 600 bucks. It's just things that's coming at you constantly. Maybe this is just me. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. The text is going off, and the text goes off on the iPad and the iPhone and the computer, and everything's ringing. One day I just said, ah! <laughs> stop, it! Stop, it! stop it stop it stop it stop it I just felt overwhelmed but I really did feel overwhelmed and I just said Lord help me help me God help me to be about one thing one thing have I desire and that Will I seek after to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, one thing that I want to do is I want to see Jesus and get to church. That's it. And I think that if we, as God's people, would become the kind of people who are of one mind, have the mind of Christ and set your affections on things eternal and not on things that are temporal. Set your affections on things that are heavenly, not on earthly things. Then you can see Jesus. And you can see that he simply wants to bless you and love you and give you Far more than you asked for. But you've got to seek Him. And you've got to set your purpose and your passion and your pursuit. Well, oh, I like that. Three Ps. Purpose, passion, and pursuit to Jesus.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.